so pumped to be jumping back in the podcast. I am excited to be sharing with you over the next few weeks some of these conversations and episodes I have in store. <laughs> but before we move on, I feel like we need to talk about that last episode. And here's the deal. In the past three years of doing this podcast, I have never put out an episode that got as much of a response as that last one I put out. And I think it's because it struck a nerve with what so many of us are going through right now. It, seriously, it literally took me two and a half weeks to respond to all the emails, texts, and calls through the podcast hotline. And what I've realized through some of these conversations with you is that we're going through some shit right now. Wherever you are at, uh, no matter what your life looks like right now, no matter what your career, relationship, scenario, uh, what you're hoping for the future, we are all right now, May 2021, finding ourselves in this time of like the in-between. Yeah, I think that's why that last episode hit home with so many, because of this feeling so many of us are feeling, this feeling of stuckness, confusion, frustration, not knowing what the future holds. As one of my friends wrote in and described it, it's this feeling of being stuck between two waves. So no matter where you're at in life, when you look at the future, no matter if you are feeling hopeful, excited, optimistic, or confused, stuck, frustrated, not knowing what the next right thing to focus on is, this is for you. I want to share a mantra, a mindset, a paradigm, if you will, a way my wife Sarah and I view the world. But here's the deal. You may not want to hear this. I love movies about time travel. And as I think about it, I think the reason why I like them so much is because of the creativity that exists within the limitations of the medium. And by that, I mean this. If you're going to write a story about time travel, if you're going to write a script for a movie, before you even put pen to paper, you've got to figure out your own specific rules of time travel. And I say you've got to figure out your own specific set of rules because every time travel movie adheres by a different set of rules. I mean, think about it, like if you, when you go back in time, uh, do you have to avoid your past self as much as possible because any interaction you have may change the future, like in Back to the Future, where he goes back and he's got that uh, photo of himself and some of his decisions that he makes, he starts disappearing in the photo because if he would change things, he would no longer, like, it would change the course of time and it, he would no longer exist in the future. Or are your rules that whenever you, you go back in time, you split the time-space continuum and you create an alternate universe that runs parallel to the one you just came from. Or there's one of my all-time favorites, uh, time travel themes, which is everything that has already happened in your story up to the point you go back in time has happened because of your trip back in time. And so when you go back in time, you're kind of just filling in the blanks. And the reason I like that 
uh, theme is because it makes me feel like I'm smarter than I am. <laughs> it kind of makes me feel like I'm some sort of like Sherlock Holmes discovering it. Oh, that's how, oh, that's why. Oh, I remember seeing that in the future because I am smart and I notice things. Now, one of my favorite movie examples of this style of time travel, going back and filling in the blanks, is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And it's actually in this movie that Sarah and I first discovered this idea, this concept that changed, uh, I, would, I would say it changed our marriage and how we look at the future. Uh, it certainly changed the way we travel or the fact that we travel at all. And now I know you, know you say it, like, holy crap, all this from a freaking Harry Potter children's book movie? Yes, stick with me here. Uh, I know this is cheesy as hell, but I genuinely believe that one of the foundations, maybe the, the key disciplines or doctrines, you might say, to living a curious life is deciding to learn metaphorically, realizing that there are secret truths hidden within uh, everyday situations, within the places you would least expect that hold truths to understanding better the human experience. It just so happens that we discovered one of them that impacted us in a children's movie. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a story about two things, essentially. It's a story about reuniting estranged relationships, and it's a story about injustice, people serving time or being punished for crimes they didn't commit. The entire first half of the movie is all about Harry Potter slowly realizing that his godfather, Sirius Black, is in fact not guilty of the crimes everybody assumed he committed years ago. And then there's a pivotal point in the movie where Harry and his friend Hermione go back in time in the hopes of making change so that his uncle can be freed instead of having to go back to prison and serve time for a crime he didn't commit. At the very end of the first half of the movie, right before they go back in time, there's this scene where Harry and his godfather, Sirius Black, are laying on the side of a lake about to die. They're being attacked by these uh, like ghost creepy things that, uh, that they call dementors that suck out your soul. And they're laying on the side of the, of the lake and they're just moments away from death when suddenly on the other side of the lake, somebody shows up and they cast a spell and saves them at the very last second. And right before Harry passes out, he looks up and he sees what he thinks is his father. Yeah, his father's the one that saved him. That, that must be, but it doesn't make sense because his father died years ago. So they go back in time and they do a bunch of stuff. And here I'm watching the movie and I'm like, oh yeah, that's how that happened because I'm smart and I'm someone that notices things. <laughs> All this, the, the time travel part, accumulates at the very end uh, with this scene where Harry and Hermione are standing on the other side of the lake. Now they're watching. Harry's watching himself and his godfather die. And he's looking around and he realizes that he is standing in the exact place where the person he that he thought it was, he assumes it's his father showed up to save him. And he's like, any minute now, just wait a second, Hermione, any minute and they're going to show up. I know it and they'll save me. Any minute now. Right there. You'll see. Harry, listen to me. No one's coming. Don't worry, he will. He will come. Yeah. 
And Hermione starts arguing with him. She's like, dude, you need to do something. Nobody is showing up. You've got to step up and do something. And Harry's like, I, I literally can't. That spell that was cast to cast away the Dementors and save us is too advanced for me. Somebody's coming. Someone will save me. It builds to this moment where he finally realizes nobody is coming. I've got to do something. In this epic last stand moment, he pulls out his wand, he casts the spell, and he ends up saving himself. It's this epic pinnacle moment of the movie. Expecto Patronum! He realizes that it was him all along that saved himself. And he had it within him all along to do what he needed to do. You were right, Hermione. It wasn't my dad I saw earlier. It was me. I saw myself conjuring the Patronus before. I knew I could do it this time because, well, I'd already done it. Does that make sense? No! This idea, this concept of step up and save yourself. If you want something to happen, you've got to do it. You've got to make stuff happen and you have it within you to do it. This thought really resonated with my wife, Sarah, and I in multiple ways. And here's an example. We both love traveling internationally together. Really early in our marriage, one of the first trips that Sarah and I did abroad together was travel to Ireland. And this original trip instilled within us this insatiable curiosity about seeing as much of the world together as possible. And, you know, so a year goes by and the time and the money never really just presented itself to be uh, to just make sense and be easy naturally for us to go and do another trip like that. And that's when Sarah and I realized if we want to travel, if we want to see the world, nobody is coming for us with a golden ticket to make it happen. If we want to do it, we've got to make shit happen for ourselves. So we made the decision right then and there that every year for the rest of our marriage, we were going to prioritize and make an overseas trip happen. No matter what it took, we were going to carve out the time. We're going to carve out the finances, put money away. And we did that every year since then, except for 2020 with COVID. Uh, we have made an overseas trip happen with the two of us. We've uh, sacrificed. We put away money. We've, uh, you know, we've chosen. We've chosen the flights that you know have multiple layovers, and they're like maybe in the middle of the night, and those are the ones that are cheaper to make it happen. Yeah, we did that. We had to carve out uh, time in our schedule. I've said no to gigs to make this stuff happen. And what I think is interesting is that. Over the years, as friends and people have talked to me about travel and they've said things like, hey, you guys seem to travel a lot. Uh, You must, you know, it must just like be easy for you to or, you know, just maybe like your jobs just make it financially just you just have a ton of throwaway money that you're able to do stuff like that. And I've realized like, oh, yeah, most people don't realize that uh, traveling internationally, time is time in your schedule never just opens up and makes itself, oh, yeah, you know, I've got this free entire month. Maybe we should go overseas. No, that never happens. Or like, well, you know, I'm sitting on this extra two grand. Like, maybe I should use this uh, to get myself over there. No, if I want to make a trip happen, I've got to set aside the time and finances and planning to make shit happen myself. And I've been thinking about that a lot this past uh, few weeks, especially because of the conversations I've been having with so many of you. This frustration 
about the unknownness of the future, or as some have said, like this feeling of being stuck between two waves. I've got these dreams or goals or hopes that these things will happen in the future. The details in these conversations uh, have all been different, but the core of it is the same. We don't know what the future holds, but we all have hopes for things that exist within it. And that's why I wanted to share this reminder with you before we even move on with the future of this podcast, before this relationship of ours <laughs> goes any further, uh, you may not want to hear this because it's hard and it's uncomfortable. There is no such thing as a Prince Charming, a knight in shining armor coming to save you. All those dreams you have, all those hopes, all those goals, there is nobody coming to make that happen. It is on you to make that shit happen yourself. And, I th and we all realize that right now because we live in a time of unprecedented access to the people we admire or look up to. No other time in the history of the world have we had access to the thoughts and the stories of those pe the people we respect or admire there and where they would tell us the stories about their journey um because th we have like podcasts and we have like YouTube interviews now and so now we can see like oh you know back in the day we had have all these assumptions oh things just lined up for you you were just like an overnight success but now all of a sudden as we're all diving into the world of podcast interviews with people we admire we start realizing oh that overnight success that I assumed happened for you was actually the tail end of a 15 year journey where you were grinding it and making shit happen for yourself. But there's another side to the coin in all of this. And that's the realization that all these people that we put on a pedestal that we thought, Oh man, they're different. They're like, they're, they're over here. And I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just seeing the behind the scenes of my story. No, like everybody started out at the very beginning and I found a massive amount of encouragement every time I've dove into some of these interviews where it's like, oh, yeah, everything I need to make this shit happen is already within me right now. And I, I know this is, this is cheesy as hell uh, for some of you. But just like Harry Potter in this scene, like he just assumes like what's necessary to make this happen to save himself is far too advanced for him when in the moment he realizes, oh, I have it within me. I can do this. You Wherever you are at, you have it within you to do it. And then there comes this other part of the conversations I've been having with people, which is, yeah, you know, I know I need to make stuff happen for myself, but I just don't know what to focus on. I don't know what direction to take right now in my life. And when having these conversations, I've been reminded of being younger when my uncle first bought a jet ski. When I was younger, my uncle lived on a lake and he bought one. And before he let my skinny butt take it out for a spin, he sat me down and he explained the number one reason why most people crash on a jet ski is because of the misunderstanding of how it works. How a jet ski works is there's let me literally a jet inside of it and it sucks water into the front and propels it backwards. And when you turn the steering wheel or I guess the handlebars, it changes the direction of the jet of water behind you and propels you in a di different direction. In order to move in a different direction, you have to be giving it gas. And that's why most people crash is because, you know, you get in danger and you naturally go back to your instincts, uh, treating it like something we've all experienced, like something on wheels or like a car or a bicycle. You let up on the gas and you steer your way out of danger. But with a jet ski, it doesn't work like that. You let up on the gas and you try to steer your way out of danger, but you just keep coasting in the same direction you were going. If you want to get out of trouble, if you want to change directions, you have to be moving. And I am convinced 
that life works the exact same way. Instead of figuring out what the next thing is that's going to be the trajectory for the rest of your life, just pick something. Pick a direction, give it gas, get off your butt, and start making small steps. And guess what? Maybe in, maybe in a couple of weeks you'll realize, oh, you know, uh, maybe that's not the right direction. All right? You'll turn it, give it gas, and shift directions. But for me and my friends, that's what we're focusing on right now, the realization that nobody is coming to save you. Nobody's coming to make stuff happen for you and make your dreams a reality Everything you need to make that happen is already within you. And if you want to make a change in life for a shift or change directions, you have to already be moving. Hey, speaking of movement and work and changing directions, I just released a small micro ebook online. It's a small 20 page quick read that I called Four Sacred Laws of Creating Badass Work. That story about the idea about the jet ski is in there along with a few others. And I've already heard back from so many of you that this has been inspiring. So if you find yourself stuck, if you find yourself trying to figure out what the next right thing is, or maybe you know what you are focusing on right now and you just want encouragement or a couple tools to help you along your journey, I put it for free on my website, www.therobmorgan.com. It's right there on the front page for you to download for free. All right, that's all I got. I'll talk to you soon. And as always, stay curious.